Okay, so today's daf is Yud in Pesachim. We are starting on daf Yud Amud Aleph, where we left off yesterday, three lines from the top of the Amud. Last line on that, I'm sorry, last word on that line. We're continuing with the series of discussions about uh, basically sfekot that can emerge, different kinds of doubts and questions that can emerge with respect to chametz, uh, related to bedikat chametz, where a person is not quite sure uh, what the status of um, uh, of some item is or some house is based upon uh, factors that they that are indeterminate. So we already saw a case of let's say you have nine piles of matzan, one of chametz, and the, the mouse comes and it moves, and we don't know which item it moved, and so on. Or we see that two achbarim come, two mice come, one goes into the chametz house, one goes into the matzah house. Which one went into which, and so it's so on. How can we um, deal with and resolve these svekot? So that's what we're up to here again. So now we're simplifying the number of piles that we have, but we have two houses and both of them are bidukim. In other words, you have one pile of chametz, so it's definitely chametz there, but you have two houses, both of which have already undergone bidikat chametz. So this is not like before where we had one pile of matzah, one pile of chametz, and one house that was checked and one that wasn't. So we kind of used this, um, this idea that you can send the bad to the place that already needs the checking anyway and send the, imagine that the good went into the, uh, went into the checked place. Here we don't have that. Here we have two houses that were both checked. So either one that you're going to say that the chametz went into is going to be in trouble. They're going to have to, they're, they're going to have an issue. And a mouse came with shakal and it took it. You don't know which one of these houses it went to. So um, the thing is that either one that it went to would have to do bedikat chametz because it would be, uh, and now have a new piece of chametz in there that needs to be identified. Now obviously we're not talking about a tiny crumb. A tiny crumb would not require you to uh, check again, but let's say it's carrying a big piece of bread. So the thing is like this, it says this, and what the Gemara is going to do is going to connect these different questions to other que- similar questions of safek in other areas of halacha. So it's going to say, mainly in Tumah Torah, actually, this is Hainu Shnei Shevilim, this is like the case of the two Shevilim, as it says, Shnei Shevilim you have two pads, one had a, a Tumah under it, in other words, one had, let's say, a grave under it, and, uh, and had trees hanging over, and therefore a person who went through it would be Tameh, and a person walked through one of these two Shevilim, he walked through two of these two, one of these two pads, he doesn't know which one, and... Uh, and uh, then he did, uh, he worked with some things that were tarot that could become tamay from that. And then the other guy went in the, um, uh, in the, in the second one and he did tarot. So the thing is that uh, they don't know, they, they know that they didn't go in the same path and they know that one of them, so each of them, one, one went in A, one went in B, and, uh, but they don't know which one went in the Tamei one went, now either they don't know which one is Tamei and which is Tahor, or they can't remember which one went in which, but they know that they went, that if they do know which one is Tamei and which is Tahor, then each one doesn't know which it was that they went through, but they know they didn't go through the same one, right? Or they, it's simply unknown which one of them has the Tum'ah inside. Either way, we have a question where one of them is definitely Tamei, from, from the perspective of... Um, uh, from 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 the perspective of reality, let's say from physical reality, so one of them definitely went through the path that had the tumah. That's for sure. Okay, but the thing is, for each individual, it's a safik. If you take the bird's eye view and you say, was one of them tamei? For sure, one of them had to be tamei from the perspective of mitziut, from perspective of the external reality. That's true. But for each individual, it is a um, it is a doubt. So the um, so the. Uh, so what do you do in this case? So Rabbi Yehuda says, "Im nishalu ze 
בפני עצמו וזה בפני עצמו, תוריד. Right? So, so if each one comes and asks a question, so they're both going to be pure. Why are they pure? Because we have a general rule. Safek tum'ah b'rshut ha-rabim. Tahor. Anytime you have a doubt about tum'ah in a public place, it's always tahor. We always rule tahor. So if a person is not sure whether they came into contact with tum'ah in, a pu- in an open area, and we're assuming this is a, this is a public path, so therefore he's going to be tahor. So if each individual asks, so each one is going to, even though the answers would contradict each other, because if they're both tahor, it's not possible that they're both tahor, but since each individual came separately, we rule for each one, he's going to be tahor. However, if they both come ask the question at the same time, so you can't give a contradictory answer since you're looking at the, the case, the total case with the two guys involved. So you have to say, well, then you're both uh, Tameh because you can't, there's no way that you're going to be able to uh, 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 you know, attribute the Tum'ah to one or the other. You can't, um, you can't give them both uh, a clean bill. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Ben Kachu Ben Kach And actually Rabbi Yossi says, no, in both cases they have to be uh, pronounced Tamei, because in this case, even if the questioners came one after the other, the sum total of the picture is that one of them is Tamei, so we're going to have to say both of them are Tamei. We can't say one and not the other. However, Amar Avar, Avar clarified, Really, if they both came and asked the question at the same time, everybody agrees you have to say they're both Tamei, because you can't get away with saying they're both Tahor. That's impossible. And if they each came totally independently of the other, it said, I went through one of these paths and I don't know if it was the Tamer Tahor one, so they're not, they're not related to the friend at all. So obviously, you know, the other person's not involved in the picture at all, so you're going to answer that they're Tahor. But if the person comes and asks about himself and his friend, in other words, if one guy comes and he says, I went through A and my friend went through B, Okay, in other words, the one guy is asking. So on one hand, I'm only really answering to one of the guys. Now, if that guy came alone, everybody agrees, Rabbi Yochanan says, or Rava says, that everyone agrees I could answer him and say, you're Tahor. doesn't matter what, whether your friend is Tamei or Tahor. That's his own problem. I could say you're Tahor because it's a fake if you want A or B. It's a fake to him, is okay. And, and I'm going to say that you're okay. However, what? Right, so but if they come at the same, if they, and if they came at the same exact time and I'm giving one answer for both, I have to say that they're both Tamei. However, if the guy comes alone, but he references his friend, he says, I'm asking for my, I came through A and my friend went through B, what's the status? So that's where you have a machloket. Rabbi Yossi medamele lebatachat. Rabbi Yudam medamele lezacharzeh. That Rabbi Yossi will say, in other words, the real case that Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda argued about was not the case we originally understood, that, Rabbi, that they were talking about where they come at the same time or where they come one after the other. There, actually, they both agree, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi will agree, that if they both come at the same exact time and ask the question simultaneously, that you have to say they're both Tamei, both of them will agree on that. And both of them will agree that if one comes and then the next day or an hour later or five minutes later the other one comes, that you give each one the answer that they're Tahor. It doesn't matter. You don't have to reference each other's question. But if I ask the question, I'm the only person asking the question, but I reference my friend in the question. So then does that make it like we're asking the question simultaneously? So R- Rashi explains. He says Rabbi, that Rabbi Yossi will say that So even though the other guy is not there, since I'm asking, I'm asking about both, so you have to give me an answer. That's going to have to be consistent. You can't tell me that... Uh, what, what do you mean? If he sent him to ask, we, we, he doesn't say that he sent him. Maybe he's just asking. You know, he comes and he asks the question. I don't know if he was sent. 
But the, so Rabbi Yossi will say that it's like they're both asking at the same time and you have to give a coherent answer. So you're going to have to say you're both Tmeim because you can't say you're both Tovim. On the other hand, Rabbi Yehuda says, since there's only one Sho'el here, we just say to him, you are Tahor. Okay? And because a safek in Rashut Arabim, it's in a public place, it's a doubt, so you're tahor. And therefore he can understand that his friend can also be tahor because he's not really, they're not really asking at the same time. That's what Rashi says. But it's not the same as when they both come together, you have to answer them with an answer that's coherent. But if I'm just addressing you, even though you're referencing your friend, it doesn't matter. You're ju- you, I'm just answering you right now. So I'm going to say you're tahor. You're going to go to your friend, oh, the rabbi said I'm tahor, so you must also be tahor. So that's, that's okay. Because I'm not telling both of them at the same time you're both tahorim, because that's impossible. That's what Rabbi Yehuda says. Now, what's the bottom line? So how does that relate to this? So she says, so therefore, therefore he says, uh, that gabe batim. So you have these. So what is the connection to our case? If you have two houses, both of which were checked for chametz, and now you have the two guys, owners of the house, come and they say, "We know that Akbar went into one of our houses. We don't know which one." Okay. This is Rashi speaking. In other words, if they if they come one after the other, the first guy comes and says, "There was a, a mouse walking around. I think it went into my house." Or it could have gone into the other house. I don't know which one it went into. I saw walking around. Say, well, safek derabanan lekula. You don't have to do bedikat chametz again. Okay. However, if they both come at the same time and we know it went into one of the houses, we don't know which one. But if they come at the same exact time and ask the question, well, I can't say. In other words, if I'm going to say it didn't go into his, I'm saying it went into yours. If I say it didn't go into yours, it went into his. So, like, I can't choose. So, I'm going to have to say both of you have to do a bedikah to, to find that chametz. Now, the question of how this safek could exactly emerge is a good question because I mean if they saw the mouse go in didn't did they see the mouse go into a house or not I mean did they see it go into there uh, maybe the, I, I assume maybe there was a third party who saw it go into one house but I'm not sure whether, whether you know I, I, I can't remember or something must have happened that, that they had a suffix it's not exactly clear but yeah yeah, yeah it has to be just a mouse doesn't make chametz as it has, has bread yeah so now the question is because it said before there was a pile of chametz he took from the pile of chametz that's what it said now uh, what about this? Safik al Safik Loal. Maybe there's only one house, but maybe we just don't know if he went inside or not. We saw him walking around. We don't really know if he went in there or not. So then Hainu Bika, this is similar to another case. In other words, this case where the, 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 the mouse had the chametz, but we don't know if he went in the house or not. And in the, in the previous case, he went into one of the houses. We don't know which one. Now he went into, we don't know if he went in the house at all. So what's the, what is Allah there? So it says, this is similar to the Bika, to the case of the valley. What is that? There's a machloka between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi and the rabbis. It's not, it says in the Mishnah, if you go into a sort of a valley or a field in the rainy season, that means that it's considered because during the rainy season, that's when the fields have all the grain that have, has already grown up. So we, and it's not an area that people walk through anymore during that time because things are already growing there. So it's not, you know, during the, the winter or, you know, even the summer after things are already uh, hard, dried out, so people will walk on these areas and there's no, uh, there's no problem. But once things start to grow, people don't walk there anymore. It's Rishut HaYachid. So therefore, if you have a Rishut HaYachid, we know that Tzafik Tumab Rishut HaYachid is Tameh. So if it's considered Rishut HaYachid, it doesn't have to be a Rishut HaYachid like Halachot of Shabbat. In Halachot of Shabbat, Rishut HaYachid is always defined by uh, enclosure. In Rishut, uh, when it comes to Tum'ah, Rishut HaYachid is defined by privacy. Right? So since people will not u- walk on the field because they're not going to trample it, so it's considered like a Rishut HaYachid. But this guy is walking in there. But Tum'ah B'sadeh, uh, and, there, and one of the fields there has tum'ah, meaning it has a grave or something. 
one guy says, listen, I walked in that area, but I don't know if I went into that area where the Tum'ah is. Now, there's different fields. Like, I can't remember if I went. I know I was walking around that, that, that area, but I don't know if I went into that specific section where the Tum'ah is. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says, since it's a safik whether he went in or not. So we say that it's, uh, he's tahor. Chachamim mitam'in. And the Chachamim say, no, he's tamesh. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, uh, right, so the, then, tamay. In other words, what does he say? He says that what does it mean a safik tum'ah? A safik whether you had contact with the tum'ah. In other words, normally what do we say? You went into the area and I'm not sure if I stood over the exact area of the grave or not. I'm not sure if I touched the bone of the dead body or not. Something like that, right? But you were in the area. Rabbi Eliezer is saying this is two steps removed because I don't even know if I went into that area, that specific section or not. So, and even if he did go into that section, maybe he didn't stand exactly on the place of the, uh, of the grave. Maybe he didn't touch the, whatever, the body, that whatever was there that was the source of Tumat Met, we're assuming, right? We don't, we, we doesn't know. So it's a double suffix. The rabbis say, no, that's really the same thing Rashi, that Rashi explains. That the rabbis will say it's the same as any other suffix Tumat. According to Rabbi Eliezer, you at least have to have that you definitely went into that field to call it a, 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 a he doesn't know if he was over the area where the grave was or not fine but if he doesn't even know if he went into that section so then it's like suffix suffika, then it's like a double suffix because I might not have even gone into that section and even if I did go into that section maybe I didn't stand over that spot where the grave was so he should be more lenient the Chachamim are saying no that's all one suffix did you step over the grave or not so you, once you say I don't know if I went in that section or not it's just all one suffix Okay, and therefore it's it's, it's going to be a safek tumah Now, what's the relevance to our question here? Of, did the mouse go in or not? So interestingly, Rashi does a uh, an interesting uh, move here. He says, however, here with the batim afilu rabbanan modu the kevan de tigat chametz rabbanan talidan lekula that even though um, in other words, it sounds from the flow of the Gemara that it's saying that just like there's a machloket between the rabbis and Rabbi Eliezer with respect to the field, and it's a doubt whether he went in the, into the field or not, so therefore we're more stringent, and we should be more stringent. No, he's saying, it, it, Rashi is interpreting it as the concept of that case of entry, a safek of entry, is what is relevant to the case of chametz, a safek of entry or not. But even the rabbis in the case of bedikat chametz would be lenient because it's only a derabanan. So it's not actually subject to the machloket between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim. It's just the same situation as Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim. Where, whereas in the case of the Safek of the Tum'ah, Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim are arguing because of an issue of Deoraita, Safek, Deoraita, and so on. But here, since it's a Deorabanan, even the rabbis will be lenient and say, you don't have to assume that the mouse went into the house and maybe there's no bread in the house at all and you're okay. Okay, so, so that's how Rashi interprets it. Rabbi, how can uh, discount the possibility of walking into the, to the field and not being on top of the kever? Who said that they're discounting the possibility? Because they're saying there's only one safek, there's not two safekot. Because walking, the reason is because a safek that has no halachic significance is not necessarily a safek. A safek, did I walk in or not, is not really a safek. The only safek is, did I become tamay or not? Whether I walked into that, they, they will say that factual safek is just, that's like uh, just adding another layer to the safek that's imaginary. Because whether I walked into the field or not is not really a safek. There's no halachic significance I walked in the field or not. The only halachic question is, did I step on the grave or not? They'll say, that's really one safek. Did you step on the grave or not? You're saying, I don't know if I walked into that area or not. Or you'll say, I don't know whether I walked on top of that grave or not. It's really the same question, they'll say. 
You're just splicing it into two questions. Yeah, right. Rabbi Eliezer is splicing it into two questions. Less likely. Right. Rabbi Eliezer is splicing it into... If, normally, a sefek tzveka is where you have two halachic tzvekot. Not where you just have... Like, I don't know if I counted tzvirata omer last night. And even if I didn't, there are some people that say that you can count anyway. Okay, so there's two different tzvekot. One is a safek of whether you can continue even if you didn't count anyway. And one is a safek uh, whether I counted or not. It's two different tzvekot. And I could say, I'll combine them together and I can continue counting with the bacha. Here it's just a, a safek whether I stepped over the kever or not. I'll say, well, it's a safek if I even walked in there or not. Okay, but that's just, say, that's just saying the same thing. Right? That, that's what the chachamim will say. You're not really adding anything. Okay, so in any case, the, but Rashi is saying that the bottom line is they would all say when, with regard to the house that it's, uh, that it's lenient. Okay? Now, uh, okay, so, oh, uh, let's say Al, let's say the, the mouse definitely went in, but then you go searching and you cannot find that piece of bread. So obviously there are multiple possibilities. Maybe the mouse ate the bread, maybe the mouse brought the bread back out, we don't know, but you can't find it. Okay, so now this is similar to another case. These are very interesting arguments, actually, just in general. Yeah, but uh, very interesting questions. That so very interesting thing. If you ha- let's say they're missing a grave in a in a field, and this was something that would commonly come up as they they would have you know areas where they know there's a grave in there, but they can't identify where for whatever reason. So Rabbi Meir says, if you scour that area and you cannot find it, you still have to assume it's there. You just didn't find it. You can't assume that it went away. You have to as- until you find it. You've got to assume it's there somewhere and you're just missing it, okay? However, the Chachamim say no. Chachamim omim, bodek ad shemagia la sela o la karka bitula. You have to go down until you reach virgin earth that nobody's ever touched before or hard rock where you know nobody's ever dug that deeply before and then you say, okay, it's gone. Okay, I, I don't know, but whatever it is, right? The point is that it's a good question. If you, ha- you know something is there and you cannot find it, what ultimately, how long can you search before you say that it's, is it your searching that's deficient and that's why you can't find it or did the thing move? It does not right? exist. Right. It doesn't exist or didn't move. So Rabbi Meir is saying, listen, if there's an assumption that it's there until you find it, you have to constantly assume that it's a safek and just assume that it's your own searching that is lacking. According to Chachamim, listen, once you've done the most thorough search possible, you just have to assume that there's another possibility that maybe it's, it, it's gone. Have you ever looked for something in your house forever? And you just cannot find it. I always wonder if, I, if I'm missing things in the house and I still can't find them after I did Bidikat Chametz. Does that mean I didn't do a good Bidikat Chametz because I, there's, there are other things I can't find and they must be somewhere? I just found something that was missing for two years in my house. It was in the pocket of a double, duffel bag, this little book that I had. I remember like two years for it. And my wife said, I, I found it in this duffel bag in the side, this book. I was missing it for two years. You never know. Anyway, so I, I, I was actually going to give up and just figure that it was lost somewhere. But it was, it was still there. Anyway, so the same thing here. If you search and you cannot find anything, so what do you assume? You assume that, that uh, according to Rabbi Meir, seemingly, you would have to assume the bread is still in there. And according to the Chachamim, you would do your best uh, job to do B'dikah, and then you would have to give up. Right, but he does the same thing here too. He says, but here, even Rabbi Meir would say, do your best, and then, again, and then you could give up. Right? In other words, Rashi is saying that they're not, they're not saying that Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim would argue the same case with regard to Chametz. They're just saying it's like the case of Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim. Some of the Rishonim say, no, that it means that, oh, since you can't find it, according to Rabbi Meir, you would have to make sure you did Bitul Chametz, so at least it's only the Rabbanan or something like that. But the, uh, but the question is very interesting, and there's a, another question here again. 
um, uh, like that. Alu badak veshkach. Let's say he goes in and you you find some bread. So still, plug tadrebi v'rabban shemom gamliel. Another question, which is detanya. It says in the right, the sadish nevad bakever and nechnaz tochat Right? If a, if there is a field where a kever was once there and now you can't find it, and you don't know if you went over it or not. So if you go in, you're tamei. Right? However. Um, once you identify that there's a grave, so if you go into the rest of the field, you are tahor. In other words, in the if you know that it's in there, but you don't know where, so anybody goes in, the assumption is they stepped over it. But once you identify this lost grave and you say, okay, it's here in the corner here, so then that's the that's the grave that was missing, right? Why? That's what Rabbi says. Listen, we knew that there was some kever in here. Okay, we identified one. That must be the one. We don't have to assume there's anything else. You can't assume that. You need to check the entire area because maybe you knew that they lost one grave there, but maybe there were actually two graves there. How do you know that was the one? How do you know that was the one? Okay, still. Right, so no, but meaning once there is a suffix about it, just because you found one, you don't know that that's the one. So if you know that this uh, mouse went in with a piece of bread. You find a piece of bread. You don't know. That, are you sure that's exactly the piece of bread that the, the mouse found? Maybe you have to check the rest of the house now, right? So the so uh, so the, right. So the, the question is, how, how do you know for sure? Unless you know that. Like, so the the point is that since you don't know for sure that this is the kever that was lost, that's the point. If you knew for sure that was the kever that was lost, we're looking for the kever of Bob Smith. Okay, it says right on there, Bob Smith. Okay, we found it. Right, uh, whoever. Well, we're never going to find that. Right now, if if you it, it, right, the DNA. right now we have that. We could, maybe if there's if the remains are uh, still there, that you could do that. Yeah, but the point is that um, I guess you could from the bones. But the uh, but the point is then you know you find the grave. You know, is that the grave of uh, Bob Smith? Okay, it is the grave of Bob Smith. Okay, but it, it's a grave. We don't know. Is, is that the one we we're looking for? Maybe there was also another guy buried in here that we just didn't know about. It. So the question is the same thing. You find the piece of bread. You know for sure that was the piece of bread that the mouse walked in. Okay, if you know if you can recognize that it was, so fine. But if you can't, then you have to worry that maybe you just happened to find another piece of bread. Okay. Now similarly, tet umatzayut. Okay, you left nine pieces of bread. Saturday, uh, you know, the night before, the Bdikai said, okay, we have nine f- people in the family. We're each going to take one bread in the morning uh, before the uh, prohibition of Hamed. So uh, we're putting nine. In the morning, you wake I up and there's ten. Him, you know? Did I? No, 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 I don't no, think so. No, 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 no. Yeah. Somebody put an yeah. extra one. Okay, so what do you do? What do you assume? Do you assume that uh, those are the same nine and somebody added a tenth one? Or do you get worried and say, these are a totally new uh, ten and my nine were taken and I don't know what's going on. Maybe the nine were uh, disappeared. So then it says, This never happens to me. You know? The guy, it's always the opposite. So, like, half of it is there. Right? You left, you left a hundred zoos and you find two hundred zoos somehow. Okay? You get double. So what do you say? So that the original one was Maaser money. That's the issue. It's Maaser Sheni that you needed to take to Yerushalayim buy something. Now you have 200. Now you know you didn't put 200 uh, zoos of the, uh, of the Maaser. So how did it happen? So it says, Rabbi says, you know how you have to interpret this? This is just somebody added another 100. Okay? In other words, the original 100 zoos that you had there was there. And there's a, somebody threw another 100 bucks in there. That's also, that's half and half. So what do you do? You take other money and you say, whatever Maaser Sheni is in here, I'm transferring the Kiddushan. Since you don't know which of these coins 
is the master. So you just transfer the the, the kedushan to another uh, onto other coins. But the point is that you you don't assume this is a totally new two hundred. You assume this is the hundred that I had before plus a new hundred. It's mixed together. That's what Rabbi says. Okay, but Chachamim Omrim Akol Chulin. The Rabbi say no. It's all Chulin. It's a totally new thing. You have to assume that the original hundred somebody took it out of there. And they put down 200 because what, otherwise, what, what, you know, since it's a new situation. So Rashi says, Shamane Nital, that the, the original hundred was taken. So now he says, Okay, in other words, you have to be worried that Chuldot came, that, uh, that, that some kind of animals came, took away the nine, and these are new ten. So that my original nine are missing now. I don't know where they are. So that's the trouble. Now, you have to be very careful when you leave over a chametz. They always say you have to be very careful. I mean, I don't think most of us have chuldot and things like that running around the house. Hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah, they have kids. That's the thing. Kids walk around and they move things around all the time. That's true. You have to keep it high. Yeah. In any case, um, yeah, as soon as we had kids, we always, when, we were, when we were without kids, we, we could get ready for Pesach so much later in the, in the game. You know? But when you, when you have kids, you have to really plan out earlier because you can't leave anything around. It, 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 it will undermine everything. In any case, let's say the flip side. You left 10 and you get up in the morning and there's only 9 donuts. There were 10 donuts, now there's 9 donuts. What do you do now? It's like the end. At the end of the right, it says, It's like the opposite of the uh, case before. You left 10 coins of Maser and you find that only not, or you left 200 and you find 100. So, Again, Rabbi is always the one who says, keep the status quo as much as possible. Okay, so you put 200, now there's only 100, so you assume that's, the, that's 50% of what you left before. It's not, a new, it's not that somebody took all of what was there before and this is a new entity, it's that somebody took half of it. Just like when you said that somebody added, you assume it's the original entity with something added, right? The rabbis say, no, it's a totally new entity again. In other words, whenever you see this quantitative change, it's a very interesting sort of like philosophical question. You know, you see, do, do you view this as a, do you assume this is a totally new entity or do you assume that this is just added or subtracted from what you had before? And so the rabbis will say, okay. and the, right, the, Rashi says, According to Rabbi, you wouldn't need to go look around if you had nine, and then in the, if you had ten in the morning, you had nine, right? So, uh, so the, the uh, because one is missing, so you assume that um, that uh, Rashi says. You only have to look for one piece because only one piece is missing. Right? If you had ten loaves and then you find nine, so you're missing one donut or whatever. But according to the rabbis, you've got to look for ten because it's a totally new, these nine are not the ones that you left. I, I left ten. I didn't leave nine. Okay, we turn to Amud Bet. You left the donuts in one corner and you find them in another corner and there hasn't been anybody else you know of who's been in the house. So how did they move from one place to the other? This is again a machlok between the Rabban Shemav Gamliel and the rabbis in another context, in the context of Tumah, because if you lost an axe in the house, okay, it's missing. It was there, it's gone. You have to assume all of the vessels in the house are tamay because somebody broke in your house and took your, uh, took your tool. Okay, I have to assume that somebody broke in my house, probably touched things, probably tamay. If he's a crook, he's also tamay, probably made everything tamay. What am I going to do? Right? Rabban Shemav Gamliel Omer, Abaytor. Rabban Shemav Gamliel says, chill out. It's okay. Why? Shani Omer, he shilola chiv shachach. He probably just lent it out to somebody and you forgot. Or you, uh, or you moved it around and you forgot. Okay? 
Zavit, Mandekar Shemei. Who mentioned anything about a corner? In the Brighta, did not mention a corner? We, we had the case of the corner, but the Brighta actually didn't mention a corner. Why is he talking about moving corners? Because there's really an extended version of the Brighta. Oh, in other words, according to the Tanakama, whether the thing goes missing altogether, and now you, you figure you had a robber in the house, or it was moved mysteriously from one place to the other, and you don't know who came in and moved it, you have to assume everything is Tamer. Rabban Shemam Ben Gamliel says, don't go that far, because Shani Omer, everything is Torah, because he shilol lachev shachach, either you lent it out and forgot, or you moved it from one place to the other, v'shachach. So in the same way, you find your chametz has moved from one place to the other. So according to Rabban Shemam Ben Gamliel, you're going to have to say that uh, it's no problem. You probably moved it and you forgot. You moved the donuts to a different corner, you forgot. But according to the Chachamim, that you see here that there's other forces at work. He says, Choshin Shem Achbarasa. Maybe the mouse moved it around. And if you moved it around, the Kevan, the Choshin Lachbar, Yesh Lachush Nami, Lo Zewel Acher. Once you bring in that there was another, uh, uh, there's another agency operating, maybe also that's not the same thing that you left there. Maybe that there, maybe the original Chametz that you left, you took to a different area. And this is other Chametz. You don't know. Once you have forces operating in your house that you don't, uh, I know, and we know that we don't believe in the paranormal, you know, so we're talking about very natural forces, animals, something like that. So you have to assume that uh, there could be other chametz lying around. These cases become progressively more funny. You walk in after the mouse and, you, and he's carrying a piece of bread happily into the house within his mouth and then you find just crumbs. You have to look around because you can't assume that those crumbs are the uh, sum total of the bread that the mouse had, because because generally speaking, a mouse does not eat and let the crumbs, you know, reduce things to crumbs. He'll eat everything. He'll eat everything up. So that's probably something else, and the piece of bread could be somewhere else. Maybe he didn't eat the whole piece of bread, but he's not going to, like, crumble it up. Mice don't crumble up food. This is more similar to something we're familiar with. Right? A baby goes in carrying the bread, of course, right into the house, right after you check for chametz, and then you find crumbs. So there, you can assume that those crumbs are whatever's left of this food. Because kids like to play with their food. They crumble it up, they leave it on the floor, and that's probably all that there is. You see a mouse go into your house with the bread, and then he comes out with the bread. Do you assume it's the same one? How do you know? Now, obviously, if you have a way to identify the mouse, maybe that would be different. But do, right, but do you know? Yeah, right, exactly. But if you don't know, both, I guess. You know, if you have a way, but otherwise, how do you know that that's the same mouse? Maybe they're just having a fun time. One's going in with the bread. One's coming out with a different bread. I don't know. Maybe you can. Maybe yeah. a different mouse. Yeah. It's the same piece. Right. Same. It could be, that's but we don't know. Either way, either way, we don't know. We don't know if it's the same mouse. We don't know if it's the same piece. Okay. If you knew, then you know. Oh, Dilmachino. Maybe it's a different one. Even if you're going to say that it's the same one because it looks the same and it's, you know, all that. Let's say a white mouse goes in. Do you say that the black one he stole from the white one he went out? Right? Do you say that really that's for sure a different mouse? That's for sure because one was white, one was black. It can't be the same mouse. But maybe it took the... Uh, 
<laughs> maybe it's not the same bread, right? So do we say that that black mouse that came out with the bread is, is a different bread? Different mouse, different bread. Or do you say that no, that mouse went in and he took the ma- food from the mouse, that, the other mouse, and he brought it out. Maybe you'll say no, mice are not like that. They're very, uh, they're very cooperative and they don't take each other's food and all that. But what if a mouse goes in but then a weasel, which would like terrorize a mouse, you know, bigger, would, it comes out and it has the bread. So maybe it bullied the mouse and took his bread. It's the same bread. So we say that definitely the uh, weasel took the, uh, uh, the bread from the mouse and therefore there's no more uh, bread in your house. You don't have to worry. Or maybe it found its own bread. And that would mean that, the, that whatever bread the mouse brought in is still in there. Because if it actually took the bread from the mouse, so then we would also see the mouse in the in the mouth of the weasel. In other words, it would have chewed on him too. And we don't see that, so therefore we assume that it's a different bread. And if you're going to say that, yeah, you're right. The weasel, that's not the bread of the, uh, of the mouse because the, he would have brought the mouse with him too. What if it comes out with two things in its mouth? It's got a piece of bread in one corner of the mouth and a mouse dangling out of the other corner of the mouth. But the bread is not in the mouth of the mouse. It's in the mouth of the chulda. So it has both. So then what do you say? So on one hand, you can say, look, he's got a piece of bread dangling out of one side. He's got a piece of... Uh, uh, a mouse hang dangling out of the other side. Obviously, he took the bread from the mouse and he took the mouse too. Oh, Dilma, imitad iu niu kikar befi achbar mishtakach. Right? So, hava. By ishtakuche. So, or you could say that no. That really, if the, um, if that mouse, uh, if that bread was the same bread that the mouse originally had, so then it would be in the mouth of the Mouse, not in the mouth of the weasel. In other words, the mouth would still, the mouse would still be holding onto it as being dragged out by the weasel. Oh, maybe Odilba Mishum Biatuta You could say that no, the the mouse saw the weasel. He got scared. He dropped it. The ma- you know the weasel picked up the mouse with one corner of his mouth and the bread with the other. So maybe it's the same bread. Maybe it's not. <clears throat> we can't tell. Right? Take a, we don't know the answer to any of these. But if you have a piece of, like a loaf of bread up on the ceiling, What do we say about food that is up on the ceiling? In other words, you would need a ladder to get it down from there. Do we say, since that would require going up on the ladder to get there, and it's not going to come down by itself, it's securely up there, so we don't have to worry that the guy's going to get a ladder on Pesach and he's going to climb up and eat it. And since he's not going to come up and climb up and eat it, the rabbis didn't require him to climb up to the rafters to get the bread down. He can just do bitul and that's enough. Or do we say, Or maybe occasionally things fall from the roof and the person will come to eat it. If you're going to say that that's a concern, that maybe it will fall. Uh, so then, What if you have a loaf of bread that's down in a pit? Do you have to go down with the ladder to take it out or not? So the thing is, there, you don't have the concern that it's going to fall because it's already all the way down there. So it's not like it's above, when it's above you, it could fall down and become accessible. But when it's in the pit, you're not, it's not going to become accessible to you. So you're not going to have that issue. So it says, do you need to do that or not? Here we know it's not going to come up out of the pit by itself. That's not going to happen. Right? But maybe you will go down into the pit to do something else. But you'll come to eat it, so you should have to take it out of the pit too. On the other hand, if you say that, yeah, both food that is in the rafters and food that is in a pit, 
you have to go, you have to get them out because there could be a possibility either that it will fall from the rafters or it will be a possibility that you will um, that you will go down into the pit to do something. And Rashi, by the way, takes out im tim talomar because it says this question coming up has nothing to do with the previous questions. It's not building on the previous questions. It's a new question, which is. Kikar nachash. It shouldn't be connected to the previous to the answer of the previous question. It has nothing to do with it. Rashi says. So he says kikar nachash. So if you have a uh, there is a loaf of bread and a and a, and a, a snake is enjoying the loaf of bread. So it says. Do you need to get a Do you need to get a a guy who is going to uh, a snake charmer? Chover chaver, right? We have chover chaver is from the. I was talking about a snake charmer. Do you need to hire a snake charmer? To uh, convince the snake to let go of the uh, of the bread or not, right? So the bigufei atechor abanan bemamonelo atechor abanan. Do we say that the rabbis required you to go to whatever lengths you needed to on your own, but you don't have to go pay a professional to uh, to do that? Odilma loshna, or maybe we'll say that it doesn't make a difference. Teku, and we don't know the answer to that either. Whether you need to charm the snake, I guess you, to, to give an analogy that's maybe a little bit more modern uh, analogy. I'm not sure. But let's say for some reason, like, in order to access certain chametz, you needed an electrician because there were exposed wires and it was dangerous to go and get the chametz out of that, that space because there was exposed wires. You would have to hire an electrician to come and, uh, and, and, fix, the, uh, and fix the electricity in that area so you wouldn't get shocked. But, uh, you know, something like that. In other words, you would have to hire a professional to uh, correct the situation in order to access the chametz. That would, be, uh, that would be an analogy. Like you have to hire a plumber, you have to hire an electrician, you'd have to hire somebody to, uh, uh, to enable you to get to the chametz um, in a safe way, because it's talking about a snake that could bite you, I guess. Right, so that would be the same question here. Do you need to go to the um, uh, to that extent? And the halacha is that you don't have to. We have a snake charmer come in to get the chametz away from a snake. So seemingly, that since the question is whether you have to pay money to an additional professional beyond the bdika itself, so seemingly that if you had a case where you would need an electrician to come or you need uh, whatever other kind of. Uh, professional work done in order to get access to the chametz, then you wouldn't have to do that for the sake of the chametz. You would just have to say, uh, and that would be enough. How about cleaning glue?